0: Hidden Bodies, Chapter 10. But she wasn't there. She didn't go to La Pooh that night or any night. And now it's been a month and I've tried everything hiking, Chrysler, breaking into harvest, a coupon, database, even police. But I still can't fucking find Amy. All I have to show for it is a farmer's tent and a bunch of new muted buttoned-down shirts. That I never would have bought in New York. My brain hates me for all the stupid casting calls I posted. None of it works. I stay optimistic. I listen to patience by Guns and Roses, and I think of hunters and explorers who spend countless nights in the wild, unsure of where they were. I they would find what they were looking for. But LA is fucking monotonous and is wearing on me the way I keep not fighting her. And when I try to talk to people, everyone says the same thing. Tinder. Fuck them. Amy is not on Tinder. She's too smart, too funny, too old-fashioned. We are the same. I get so mad that I can't sleep, and these laughs you do like your downers, and I collect purse sausages just in case I need to drug her. I hate it here. Everyone is wrong. Delilah is bad at floating, Heaven is too aggressive about drinking, and every day is actually 3 days, a freezing morning, a blistering day, and a cool night. You need a lot of clothes, and every day is the same day, which is why it's important to hang a calendar. I see why people move here and wake up one day scratching their heads. Wondering when they turn 40 or what year it is, is claustrophobic and I have no car and I hate Amy for not being on Facebook, for not having an email I could pack. I live almost exclusively in this one giant square foot bound by Tamarine Avenue on the West and Canyon Drive on the East. In New York, you can walk for hours and go unnoticed and you can follow a woman for several blocks without her knowing But the cliche is real and people don't walk here unless it's important to improve their precious fucking body to reach another form of transportation a car, a bus, a lift They put on sneakers and carry silver canteens around and what I would do to just have one hour on Seventh avenues is in the middle of the night. I miss being invisible. I think I might be getting fat too. Every day, some awful noise wakes me up. Stevie from the pantry accidentally texting me instead of his girlfriend. Have you practicing with his ukulele are people showing up to shoot piece of shit shots in the building? I'm not a snob, but the average person here is just well, it's not you y'all. I stand my popcorn ceiling and thinking about um, beautiful, my beautiful old apartment. I check up on Pearls and Norns and herries and Lime. I live vicariously through them now. Sometimes I think about friending them and confessing everything. Maybe Amy mixed off and told me one of the girls something that would amplify her. But she's a professional. She knew that she was doing. At the beginning of July, I sign a rent check and hand it over to Harvey. Don't look glum, he says. They say it takes about 10 years to settle in here. You gotta stay positive. Um, Am I right or am I right? I give him the Thumbs up, he runs so badly, and he climbs, and I flee, and I'm so sick of the stupidity of it all. Heavy and his big fucking smile, my boss, came who is a whole other cut kind of annoying, It's nothing like money books and Calvin is one of those people who is better on Facebook than he is in real life. He would be wiser to evaporate and live exclusively online with his telegenic, suave, thick, dark hair. I want to wipe the fuck off his forehead and take his stupid oversized eyeglasses too. I feel that way a lot here. Like I want to tie people's up, people's clothes off, their bodies in a non-sexual way, shave their heads, line them all up for suit showers. Kevin keeps all his passwords on a piece of paper in his wallet. Fucking moron. And there's always a movie playing in the bookstore. As if this is a movie rental story in the nineties. Today is true romance so that uh, Calvin can tell me for the fifteenth time that they shot part of it up the street on Beachwood. Sub Joe Bro Sub Calvin Something is always catch up. Is always off with carving and he's launches into a story about his manager that sounds sounds made up. In the past month, I learned that there are many carvings, depending on which drugs he's on. There's cocaine carving and being out for better so audition. There's Morchuani carving. Chill and watching Tarantino and dreaming of being in a Tarantino movie and laughing out loud at jokes that are meant to make you smile. There's reject actor Calvin, got protruding through a tie, purple t shirt, glasses on, wrecking of hair products, telling me to be quiet because he's visualizing. Some days, Calvin is a writer. He puts his hair in a ponytail, he walks on something called ghost food truck. Some days it's a self-aware camping teen horror flick about a haunted food truck. Some days it's a pitch for IFC about a food truck that is run by ghosts. Offbeat, he likes to say, as if this somehow means a TV show doesn't need a story. Still other days, GFT is a pilot script, possible HBO or FX but never network. About a serial killer who runs the country killing people and making burrito out of them. The thing is, ghost food truck is like Kevin, and like everyone here so flipping flimsy. It changes depending on what he watched last night on what his friend watched. At least today, I'm dealing with the good kind of cocaine carving. He's dancing and parting his chest and, tell, and telling me about chill romance again and he's bad like this. Getting hype for an audition. Wearing himself out like a toddler, he leaves to try and make it in Hollywood and I post another useless casting call on class list. Tall, blonde, beautiful. My lists are getting more uninspired as time goes by and every day that Amy doesn't submit a headshot to one of my imaginary castings, I feel like a detective in one of those shows where they hit you over the head with the fact that a missing child becomes almost impossible to find when 24 hours passed. I could drive you nuts searching for someone in LA, and that is why people here are so miserable. It is fucking hard to find things fame, love, parking spots, cheap gas, good, inexpensive headshots, an agent, a manager happy hour where the madness don't suck, I taught a tall blonde con artist named Amy. It's been a long month without rain, without clouds, without a sighting, and it sickens me to look back because I done my part, I set my traps, I assemble my team. Copy a nose to take me the second anyone walks into the place with a copy of noise complaint, and Amy should have been in by now. How does she pay for her fucking super fruits? Heavy nose to tell me if any new girls show up tall blondies in college shirts, these two. Diana from Birds quit, but I set better charts there, as well as La Lapu and all the places in between. I bought bottles of um, prenatal vitamins and told the bartenders that my estranged um, girlfriend is pregnant. I woke up some tears. The female bartenders at Birds say we're all family in the village. and. They couldn't get over how sweet I am, carrying vitamins around. The guy behind the bar at La Poole was empathetic. He looked me in the eye and lifted the bag and promised me he'd be on the lookout. I had so much hope, so why the fuck haven't I found her? Kevin comes back, all cocked up. Hooting and hollering and doing a stupid jig, he does after he nailed it. He goes on Tinder. Jay I say, didn't you just hook up last night? He nods, That is not what I'm doing now. I'm working it, Joe Bro. Tinder is of the most important casting database in the world, he raves the place where every actor and actress is hanging out like what the club used to be, or the drugstore soda fountain goes in like the '50s. he whoops, Fucking Tinder dude, my buddy Leo, he got cast of Tinder last week. But isn't it just dating and shit? I protest, I don't want this to be true, I don't want to join I don't want Amy to be on the tinnering around. Carving burps, swipe, fuck, book. I have no choice, I join, I swipe and 24 hours later, I think my eyes are broken and my head is so full of faces that I worry the visual part of my brain might run out of brain. There are so many girls and the all here is an infinitive database and when girls on Tina wander into my 5-mile radius, I can see them in my phone. Now Tina is taking over my brain and every time I swipe, I picture Amy in a USC shirt. I'm yawning and strolling out of my radius and I can't stop swiping because I had to fight her. I don't sleep at all for two fucking days. It's the most pathetic move yet and I think California is getting to me. I call Mr. Money. He has no patience, I told you. He snaps. Get your goddamn dick sucked. So I tried. I meet a girl named Gwen on Tinder and it's like ordering Chinese food. In the pictures, Gwen is shiny and rested glistening like pork fried rice. Gwen shows up and she isn't as shiny in person. Same way the pork fried rice is always greasier than you want it to be. Her skin is puffy. She's pale. She's proof that they can all be like California girls and she tells me about her acting class and her last bad tinder date. She drinks red wine and looks at herself in the mirror. Her teeth sting. She sneezes. I say God bless you. I drink vodka and search the bar for Amy. It's different being here with a woman instead of Calvin, I'm staring at people, and when noticed, I was the same way my first mom. She w- she said, "Everyone's just so much prettier here, even the men." Naturally, while I'm at the bar with Wen, I see the most attractive girls I ever seen in my life and I can't put my finger on it. She's not classically beautiful by any means, and she's hardly young. Her off-the-shadow soft sweatshirt showcases the right amount of her boobs, like two scoops of ice cream, soft and creamy. Her hair is cotton candy. Her legs are caramel when the bartender rings me the glass of water I asked for an hour ago, the candy girl and I reached for it at the same time. I'm so sorry, she said. Take it, I said. She smiles. I would be a dick move to hit on her in front of Wend. I am not a dick. This is why I agree to see Wend's new apartment. She lives in a guest house by a pool in Los Feliz. It's depressing and small and there are pictures of Madonna everywhere. One hums me and I close my eyes and picture the candy girl, we use each other, she sucks my dick. I spend the night in Gwen's guest house and this is when it's true when the deluded aspiring actor say that the business is all about timing. The one fucking night, I leave the village and fall asleep in Los Feliz. I wake up to two, 3 texts from Calvin. the girl here with pot night complaint. She's being weird. The money. wants cash not directly deposited. You want to buy it off her? All good. She was in a rush. So we worked it out. and uh, Got it for you. My hands are shaking and this guesthouse smells like sh- soup. And, then and I am out of the squeaky, the squeaky bed and I'm not looking for my shoes and fuck. It's my fault. I lost my focus. I have to get out of here but I can't find my fucking shoe. And I look under the bed and it's nothing but doodles and stilettos and acting manuals Fuck my shoes. I don't deserve them. My lift is one minute, one, one minute away, and I stepped out into the overbearing, in your face, moronic son. And I dug my head, and here are my shoes, light up next to Wenz, as if she wanted the people in the big house to know about this, about us. I get into the lift and the driver wants to know if he should take Franklin or Fartan and he doesn't have sunglasses and the AC is broken and he misspells the name of the street in his GPS. The phrase one night stand is a misnomer. There is no such thing as a one night stand. Sometimes what you do for one night destroys your future. That is the end of chapter 10.